Welcome back to the Curiosity Podcast. Today we have Naveed, who founded TCAS, a student accelerator program all about developing unicorn people to solve the world's most important problems. And this is actually how Christine and I met. We are so grateful for the program. We are so grateful for everything Naveed has done, and we're really excited to have you on. So Naveed, if you could introduce yourself, that would be awesome. Awesome. Thanks for having me on this awesome podcast. I am Naveed. I did all the things that Nyla just said. Uh, and before that, I was running a cloud security company in San Francisco, Silicon Valley area. Um, eventually sold that company to box.com, ran AI and machine learning there for a few years, and then decided I wanted to help change the world by helping the most ambitious, curious, ambitious young people um, make an impact and, and solve problems and make the future exciting. So that's, uh, that's what I'm passionate about. And maybe we'll talk a little about that today. For sure. And our first question is actually about your career path. And in TKS, something you mentioned a lot is having an unconventional career path. And just looking at your LinkedIn, you have a huge range of experiences, not only at different companies, but also around the world. So you worked in Bangladesh, you worked in Tajikistan, and you did like things from deep learning and AI to management consulting. So can you tell us a bit about what drove you to have such a diverse career in terms of both the places you worked in the world and also the things you did? You know, and at the time, it wasn't like I was trying to create a great resume. That was the last thing on my mind. It was always about unique experiences and just doing what I wanted. So, so one of the things that like me and Nadim would say when we were younger is just like, I do what I want. So people would be like, hey, you can't do that. And be like, oh, I do what I want. And then we do that anyways, you know, like maybe maybe it was just like getting a free refill at a restaurant. And it's like, hey, they don't do free refills here. Ah, I do what I want, you know, we'll see what happens and then get the free refill. It, you know, something as small as that to like, I'm going to go to Tajikistan. Oh, it's not safe there. I do what I want, you know, cut semi fly at Tajikistan. And it's just like, it's such a simple thing, but what I, what I found is like people who don't do what they want, which the inverse of that is not doing what they want, which is based on doing what other people want, often leads to unhappiness. And it, it creates these shackles for you. And it makes you go down a certain path, take certain decisions that is someone else's decisions. And it, you know, it, it is, it, I don't know, I'm trying to make it sound profound, but like, Ultimately, if you just do what you want, you will be happier, you will live a better life and cool stuff will just happen. But if, the, if you're doing the opposite, if you're trying to fit yourself into a box, doing stuff that you think other people want to see, filling your resume out, like, you know, doing things that other people say are good to do, or you look at like people a couple of years above you and you're like, oh, those people are, have great jobs. What did they do to get there? I'm just going to do that like it's almost robotic at some sense. Like, are you building out your personal experiences and curiosity or are you just trying to be a replicate of someone else who you think checks the boxes that society tells you are good boxes to check? You know, whether that's status, whether that's money, whatever the case is. Yeah, I think that's what this podcast is all about, following your curiosity, which is exactly what you have done. And your curiosity has now led you to TCAS. So what drew you and your brother to starting this student accelerator program? The ultimate driver for us is 
what we think is like the purpose of our lives. So we break down the most purposeful things we can do with our life in two categories. The first one is helping create a more exciting future. And the second one is eliminate suffering. So those are like the two things that we think are the most interesting, important things for us to do in life. And that's personal. Other people could have, you know, other things that they think their life is for. For us, we think those are the two most important things. Creating an exciting future, which is through like unlocking new knowledge, um, innovation, whatever those things are. And then the other one is reducing suffering in the world, right? There's so much unnecessary preventable suffering that happens. And the only reason it still persists is because there aren't enough small, smart people in the world just working on solving those problems. And when we started TKS, we literally asked ourselves like, what would we do if we had $10 billion in our bank account? How would we spend our time? What would we wanna do with our life? And ultimately it was how do we create and develop and train more young people to go and create exciting futures and to you know, reduce suffering in the world. And uh, when we started TKS in, what was it, 2016, we're like, what do we wish we had? And that was the initial starting question. You know, what do we wish we had if we were in high school? And that was kind of the first version of TKS. It was literally just based off of building a program that high school and Nadim would have loved going through and enjoyed. And that was the genesis. Yeah, I mean, I'm, again, super grateful for TCAS, and it has changed the things that I'm now allotting my time to, and my goals really have changed as well. So what is your vision for the future of education, and how do you think edu educational systems need to change? I saw something on your Twitter about, like, a point system. If you could expand a little on that. Yeah, I think at, a, at its core, the education system, first of all, needs to be an education system because right now it is not an education system. It is a filtering system. How do we know it's a filtering system? Because at every checkpoint, you get grades and those grades filter you. So when you're in grade 12 and you're going to university, university is looking at all those test marks that you got in the past year or few years and then allocates you to where you should be based on where you fall. And if we knew school was an education system, then if you got a 60% in calculus, you would keep doing it until you got, you know, 90% or 100%. But that's not the case, right? There's education infused, but primarily my perspective and opinion is it is a filtering system. Now, what we have to do is decouple. There has to be a separate filter system and a separate education system, and they all have to have different goals. The goal of the education system should be to educate and the goal of the filter system should be to filter. Right now we've kind of mixed it. The education and the filtering are, are combined um, and you won't get as much education in, in, in that sense. Um, the second thing that we need to do is not have one size fits all systems. So right now there is just one type of high school. You go to a private school, you go to a public school, doesn't matter. It is the, basically the same thing, right? 95% is the same. The 5% might be the different teachers, different extracurriculars, different resources, but 95% is the same thing. You're learning the same things. And it's the same type of structure. You have a certain number of people in your class. You have your desk, you have the whiteboard or blackboard, you have the textbooks. Like it's mostly the same at that point. Um, and that doesn't make sense. There are different people in the world and different people want different things and learn differently. 
So if you're interested in sports, there should be a different type of system to help pursue those desires and curiosities. If you're interested in sciences or if you're interested in the business world, um, I'm not saying you should just learn business when you're young, but there could be different types of systems that you can explore that's optimized for how you think and what you want to do. And so when I think about TKS, I think it's an example of a system that is not meant to be one size fits all. And that's meant to just be for really driven, curious people who want to make impact. And it's not for everybody, right? If you are not interested in making an impact in the world, you should not join TKS because that's not what it's built for, right? Um, whereas if you're really interested in creating incredible art pieces, amazing, there should be another system for that, right? That's optimized for that piece. And it's not that you're not going to learn other things. It's just, what are you optimizing for? What are you, what are you trying to do really well at? Um, then, like you mentioned, kind of the gamification thing where in these filtering systems, what are better ways to filter that focus on, um, I guess, like positive reinforcement rather than negative reinforcement? Right now, a lot of our education system, in my opinion, is based on fear. So I don't want to fail. I don't want to not get into university. Like it's, it's kind of like negative things that make you put in work. Whereas I was thinking, you know, what if it could be flipped? Like what system right now is based on positive reinforcement or helps people thrive? And I think that's games, like video games, right? What are the objectives? What do you get at those objectives? How do you unlock things? How do you get like superpowers at different levels that help you do more, you know? So for example, in TKS, when you do certain things, now you unlock the mentors, which give you superpowers to do even more. But if you're not even at that level, the mentors can't even help you, right? And so how do you create these different, you know, perks and superpowers and unlockables based off of doing things and based, and then those can help motivate you to do those certain things that are beneficial. The other thing I would say, and you know, I think is important is providing flexibility within these areas. So in TKS, you guys know, it's built to be structurally unstructured. We don't tell you what to focus on, but we give you a structure for your focus, that there's different objectives at different levels. And for those objectives, you have to create certain types of things and content and whatever, but what you choose to build, the areas you choose to focus on, who you choose to talk to and validate your projects with, that's totally up to you. Yeah, so we love to talk about failure on this podcast, which you did bring up. And I think that's because society has carved out a really misleading narrative, and that likely has stemmed from school systems. So have you ever faced any major challenges or failures? And how do they over how did you overcome them? How do they shape you? Well, it's the thing is like everyone's gonna face different failures, but the problem with asking about failures is it's so relative. You know, like the biggest failures that most people have are insignificant. And one quote that I really like from Vinod Kosa is the consequence of mitigating risk makes the prospect of success inconsequential. Just think about that for a second. The consequence of mitigating risk makes the prospect of success inconsequential. What does that mean to you guys? Yeah, for sure. So for me, um, mitigating risk is something I actually tend to like to do because that's the way I was brought up and so it definitely means that if you're always just trying to play it safe and like trying not to make any ripples you won't really have huge successes 
and yes, you might not have failures either, but like you won't be living, as you said, like the life that you want to live, right? And you'll be just like living out of fear rather than like loving to live and like loving your life. So that's kind of what it means to me. It's having the courage to do what you actually want. You know, doing what I want, like you mentioned at the beginning, is just having that courage. Um, and then understanding as well, it's also a mindset shift. Something that Ian, another director of TKS, like taught me and Nyla is that it's all relative. You can just like think of your worst case scenario. And we're very privileged. We live in Ottawa in Canada. Our worst case scenario right now is not that bad. Even if we did like something that's risky, like taking a gap year, it's actually not that risky. So that kind of, that's what it means to me, that quote. Yeah, for me, I think the same, on the same lines as Christina, avoiding failure doesn't allow you to meet your full potential. So if you wanted to go out and you wanted to solve world hunger, for example, you're not going to do that unless you accept that failure might be something along that road because striving for these big things and wanting to solve the world's biggest problems, there are going to be barriers and you have to change that narrative for yourself. If you are afraid of failure and you don't want to do anything that could result in it not going how you wanted it to go, then you're really not meeting your potential. And there's so much that you're limiting yourself. Yeah. And I really like what Ray Dalio says, pain plus reflection equals progress. And it's interesting because if you take out the pain, you're basically saying you're not going to progress that much. And if you talk to any, any person who you would classify as successful, whatever definition you would use, they've done something different. You know, like if you think about the average person, let's use the word average, right? Would the average person do anything different? No, that's why we use the definition average, right? But if you use the word you know, exceptional. Well, by definition, they're the exception, which means they had to have done something different to be exceptional. And so this whole like idea is, is super valuable to understand because in the moment, like as we're talking about it, oh yeah, of course, like, yeah, let's fail. Let's take risks. It's so easy to say, but then when you're making the decision, it's so hard because the emotion gets in the way, the fear gets in the way. And you're making a decision for your future self. Whereas the view I like to take is let your future self make a decision for your present self, not let your present self make a decision for your future self. The reason why that's important is because if my present self is making a decision for my future self, I'm going to say, oh, I don't want to take this risk because my future self is going to get hurt, right? My future self might not have money. My future self might get fired. Whereas if I'm thinking about my best case future self, and that person's thriving, I'm going to be like, you can't stay in this job or you can't, you know, sacrifice this for that thing, because how am I supposed to be that person if you keep doing the same thing as everybody else? You have to do something different in order for me to, to be able to be a probability to exist, right? That reminds me of a quote I saw like last week, and it was like, every time you see a very successful business, you actually see someone behind the scenes that took a courageous decision and a leap because as you said like you can always say I want to be unconventional I'm bold and that sounds great but like it's actually all about courage in my mind and like having the courage to be unconventional and this brings us to a topic that I think you feel strongly about based on your twitter bio and in your twitter bio it's like it says I'd rather die of thirst than drink from a cup of mediocrity so that's a, that's a bold statement 
So can you talk to us a bit about this mentality and what does mediocrity mean to you and why are you avoiding it at all costs? To me, mediocrity is like, it's for me, it's the definition of failure, personal, like my personal failure. And the reason is because I think I can do a lot. And the moment I start settling for mediocrity, that caps my ability to maximize my potential in the world. And my biggest fear is not contributing as much as I possibly could to the world. So for example, uh, if I didn't start TKS, right? And let's say cut scene in the world where I did start TKS, both of you guys go and one of you guys solves climate change and the other one solves world hunger, right? That world is impossible because if I never started TKS or impossible, you know, in, in my mind, right? If I never started TKS, you guys wouldn't have been in the program. You guys wouldn't have met, haven't gotten these mindsets, haven't gotten exposed to those things, didn't take these different paths, unconventional paths, take risks, blah, 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 to eventually lead you to, you know, solving the energy problem and, and curing cancer or world hunger or whatever the case is. And so what is, for me, I just think about that. Like, what is the opportunity cost of every decision that I make? And at some point it can get like scary that you're almost over-optimizing every decision. But if you just think about it for the, for the flip side, that's like, okay, whatever decision I make has to be a generally, it just can't be a mediocre thing because if it's mediocre, if it's average, then those potential incredible worlds just won't have a high probability of existing, right? And so when we started TKS, we're like, this has to be the, the leading pro program, the leading human accelerator in the world. And if it's not the top number one global human accelerator, it's not worth doing. If this is an extracurricular program for teens, we're not doing this anymore. Like we would just not, we would do something else. That's like the worst thing. It, it literally, it's like someone puts a sword through my heart when they're like, oh, so you're like an extracurricular program for teenagers. I'm like, well, I guess you could say that, but what we really are is like Olympic level training for the next, you know, gold medalist and in innovation and in disruption and all of those things, right? Like that's the way I think about it. You know, if who, where are the next Elon Musk going to come from right now? We just cross our fingers and hope that they kind of pop up and solve big problems in the world and influence the trajectory of the future. Why isn't there a system that's literally built to create those, you know, inflection points in the world and people will be like well what about harvard and stanford well if that was the case you would have tens of thousands of people every single year changing the world obviously that is not happening right and so to me yeah mediocre mediocrity is the sacrifice of excellence is the sacrifice of bringing my full potential into the world and i do want to leave a dent in the universe i do want to leave an inflection point just like Steve Jobs did and, and talked about. And that's where I find my personal meaning. And I think for me, it's, if I wasn't doing that, I would just be unhappy because that's, yeah, that's where I find my fulfillment and what I can bring to the world. That's awesome. And then, so what are your, your biggest tips for students wanting to be unconventional and get past that fear of failure mentality? And more specifically, what are good habits to develop? I think the biggest thing is, I think there's two pieces. The first one is what's holding you back? Like, what are you scared of, 
right? From the hundreds of kids I've talked to, you know, the biggest things holding people back are like what other people think of them and then not getting things, like the fear of getting a bad grade, the fear of not going to university. These are the shackles, right? And how I kind of, the, the kind of metaphor is like these shackles are attached to you and you're in the ocean and you're swimming up, right? And you're swimming so hard, it's so hard. And as soon as you stop, stop swimming, you'll just sink back down again, right? Whereas like if you unshackle yourself and you swim, it's gonna be way easier to swim and you'll get to the top way faster, right? And, as, and if you pause and take a breath, you're not gonna sink down again. You're just gonna float around, right? Um, or float upwards. So removing those shackles, like what is stopping you? Get out of that, you know? And right now what I find is insecurity is stopping 80% of people. So get rid of those insecurities, get rid of those fears, get rid of those external expectations because that's actually stopping you from growing. Then on the complete flip side is like, what do you care about? What do you, what do you want? Because if you want something bad enough, that's gonna be your motivation. Desire matters. And that's something I've also learned from TKS. If you have a student that doesn't actually want anything, the pace that they're gonna work through is gonna be very slow. But people who like really want something can move very, very quickly. And that could be like, you could really want personal growth. Cool. You could really want to solve climate change. You could really want to intern at a really cool BCI company. You could really want to speak at a conference. You could really want to build this project and network with experts in the industry. It doesn't even matter what you want. It's just, do you want something really badly? That's it. Like, what do you want? And if you want something bad enough, no matter what, that's going to be a catalyst for your growth. And so then the question is, well, how do you figure out what you want? And it's like, well, that's something that you just have to figure out. And the, the answer to that is just don't do things that's the opposite, that stop you from figuring out what you want. And what stops you from figuring out what you want is doing the same thing. You can't do the same thing and expect a different outcome. So you got to do new things. You got to get new data points. You got to try new things. That's the only way to figure out what you want. Learn new things, listen to different podcasts, talk to different people get new experiences, travel around the world. You just got to do new things to figure out what you want. So don't do the same thing and expect a different outcome and then remove those shackles um, that's holding you back. Those are, for me, the, the two biggest things. Yeah, and one of the habits actually that you're kind of, I think, alluding to um, also involves like reflection. So during a TKS session, actually, I vividly remember this. Um, Ian, our Ottawa director, was like, write down on a piece of paper, all the things you're scared of, like anything you're scared of, like not like spiders, et cetera, but like, you know, personal fears, right. That are holding you back. And it was like, it's like, you never think of doing this usually, at least I did it before. And I was like writing down all my fears. And then he's like, Hey, now like circle the, the three categories that they fit into. And I'm like, no way. Like, you know, it's a huge list. It's not going to fit under three categories. And it did. And I was like, Whoa. <laughs> so then you can like, start tackling those fears like the root causes I guess in a more systematic way and then I don't think we did this in the session maybe we did but I do remember also doing the same things for what I want and it's like again like these like diverse weird ideas like I want to do this I want to do that and then again they fall under these categories and then I don't know that helped me have a lot of clarity with what I want um, and it was a good habit I guess like reflection to develop as well and then on the topic of habits uh, TKS teaches us to take care of our health and that's not only physical health, but that's also mental health. 
And I guess mental health often has this like taboo connotation right now. It's getting better. It's more conversation about it, but oftentimes there still is this kind of taboo feeling around it. So what motivated you to start the conversation about mental health um, in TKS? And why do you think that it's often treated as taboo, especially among the youth? For me, I just think about how do you thrive? <laughs> like mental health, all of those things, they're just, they're barriers for you to thrive. And if you're not at 100%, then you won't be able to give your 100% to the problem you're trying to solve to your friends, to your family, to yourself, like it doesn't matter. And what I often find is people operate at 40% and then try to fake giving a hundred percent. You can't do that. And it's like a non-obvious thing. If you're not happy or if you're not sleeping properly or you're not healthy or you have bad relationships, it is impossible for you to operate at 100%. And if you're not operating at your 100%, you're not gonna be able to grow as much as you could. You're not thriving. It's just, how do you thrive? And the thing, like you said, mental health, it, it's negative. It's, oh, I have a mental health problem. Whereas I can't say like, oh, I have great mental health. You know, like no one really says that. It's usually you say, oh, you know, I have mental health issues. You're not saying I have mental health strengths, you know? And so like, it's, it's a word that just got used to yeah classify when people aren't doing great mentally. Um, but I think that it's almost like medicine where we're not optimizing the preventative causes for poor mental health. It's like you get there and it's like, now what? Versus every person should just be evaluated on like, how much are you sleeping? What time do you sleep? What time do you wake up? Who are your friends? You know, are they holding you back or are they helping you thrive? What's your relationship like with your parents and your siblings? Like there's so many common denominators that people don't understand because people don't talk to each other about these things. You got to open up the freaking conversation to realize like, oh, crap, I'm in a toxic environment. Oh, that's why my brain is getting screwed up. Like I ask people, what do you follow? Like, do you use Instagram? Yes. Pull up your phone. Show me how much time you spend on Instagram. 12 hours a week. Okay, cool. What are you spending those 12 hours on? Do you go to stories? Yes. How often do you flip through stories? Very often. Okay, who are you following? These are the people I'm following. It's like Kim Kardashian, blah, 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 blah. So all of a sudden, it's like, these are your mental inputs. Why are you unhappy? Well, because your bar for happiness is like, it's not even reachable. It's like the fake realities of the most popular people. It's like, they're the ones that are also struggling with mental health issues, but they're just showing you the best parts of their fake life. Like, obviously you're not gonna get there. Delete Instagram, you know? And it's like, whoa, but I have, and then you have justifications, but all my friends, like that's how we communicate and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's crap. Insta Instagram is not a messaging platform. It's not a messaging platform. If it was, you'd be able to like do different things on the messaging, you know, tool it has. The front page would not be like a screen of pictures. The front page would be messages. Use texting. If you want to stay in touch with your friends, you know, it's not a weird thing to say. And then when people eventually go cold, cold turkey from Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok, a week later, oh my God, Naveed, I feel so much better. And it's like, yeah, obviously. But to you, it wasn't obvious at the time, right? So I think the whole thing with mental health is if it's not genetic, it's 1000% preventable. And it's just about really understanding that it is preventable and that you're doing things wrong.
there are things that you can change. And it might be sleep. It might be what you're inputting in your brain with. It might be what you're eating. Are you getting exercise? But when you're in that state, you don't know, like it's harder to think properly. So you need to have a third eye. And that's the main thing here. You have to have a third eye. And when you're thriving, that's the most important time to have a third eye. Because when you stop thriving, that third eye will be like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? Like, hey, I noticed you haven't talked this week. Or like, hey, I noticed your energy levels have been low. Because when you're not, when you're on a declining state, you're not generally aware of it, right? You're in a bad zone. So for people who are thriving, find people who can hold you accountable, who can like say, hey, you're on like a declining state um, and help you get up. And if you're in that low state, you know, realize you're in that low state. Like if you ask yourself, are you happy? And you can't answer yes right away, you're probably in a low state. Like it's pretty easy. If you have to think about it, you're not thriving, right? <laughs> and so like, who can you go to to help be your third eye? Who are the people that even... It's crazy because people will think like when they're in a low state, ah, no one cares about me. That's wrong. Somebody cares about you. You just don't think they do. And what's the downside is of asking someone for advice? Zero things, right? It doesn't matter. So I think the thing, yeah, with mental health is you got to talk about it more. You got to realize your issues are actually very preventable for a lot of people and realize that so many people are going through the same thing as you and you can figure it out. Like you can get out of it and it's way better to thrive than not to thrive. And so take that action. And it's really at the end of the day about just the cost of action, right? What is the, what is the cost of action? And take it, right? Just do it. Yeah, I think success encompasses thriving in a bunch of different aspects of your life. Not only what people can see and mental health definitely needs to be one of those buckets. So in the past, you've talked about having people skills like clear communication and the ability to motivate people as the most important skills for success. What are the top skills that you think allowed you to have your success? And that can be either hard or soft skills. The first one is self-agency. So that is me being able to make decisions that I want to make. <laughs> it's not being controlled by anyone or anything. I have agency over my own life. And a prerequisite of that is self-awareness. I know what I enjoy. I know what I like. I know what I don't like. And therefore, I can make decisions based on when I thrive and when I don't thrive, right? And so I always just try to optimize myself and what I want and where I want to be. And there's going to be like lagging states. It's not like I'm perfect all the time, but I'll have the awareness to notice, oh, I'm not thriving right now. What do I need to do differently take that action, make those changes. So the first one is self-agency. The second one is being able to figure things out. I honestly think I can figure out almost any problem. Like I'll figure it out. Just given, given time, I'll figure it out. And I think that's something you have to train. You have to train how to figure things out. You have to train using different mental models. You have to train having different problems that don't have solutions yet and saying like, all right, how do I solve this problem? How do I solve that problem? It's having the confidence to be like, I can solve this. I can figure this out. So there's all these different pieces that go into it. But I think having self-agency and being able to figure things out to me is like the two like foundation things. And then I think everything else can stem from there. Um, but if you don't have agency slash self-awareness within that, and if you don't know how to figure things out or have the confidence, I mean, anything you build on top of that is going to 
is going to be a weak, you know, structure. Yeah. Oftentimes, like when you ask, like, I guess, like successful people, what their like top skills are, they're like very rarely like specific hard skills or usually like mental frameworks um, or mindsets. And it's like, you just like your answer confirmed that. Um, but our last question is actually about more like hard skills um, and in specific, like exponential technologies. So is there an exponential technology that you think is currently underrated and is not getting as much like hype as it should be? And why do you think it has the capacity to make large scale impact around the world? Well, first of all, every exponential technology or almost every exponential technology doesn't get the hype. And if it doesn't have the hype, it doesn't have enough people in that space. Um, because right now the systems that we use to educate people are not adaptive. So it's not like every school in the world offers machine learning courses, right? Whereas we know how valuable data science, machine learning, all that stuff is right now. But for me, the top of my list is synthetic biology. So things around gene editing, sequencing, um, all of that stuff, basically programming DNA and understanding DNA. So that's, that's on the top of my list. Another one on the top of my list is connectomics and brain computer interface. So understanding the brain, which is around connectomics and then doing stuff with it, whether that's enhancing our capacity of the brain, measuring the brain, um, leveraging the brain to interact with other machines through you know, brain computer interfaces. So just things with the brain. Another one is nanotech. So nanotech isn't even like new or anything, but it's so slow. We've known about graphene for so long. We've known about a lot of advancements in nanotech, but we don't use it. Why are we using it? <laughs> There's so many different applications of nanotech in, he in healthcare, in uh, construction, just across the board. We use it right now for like better tennis rackets, but how come we're not using it in clothing? You know, like one of the reasons why I love Lululemon, like I'm wearing basically all Lululemon right now, is one of the uh, one of the things they use is, is silver in their clothing and silver is antibacterial. Shouldn't that just be in all clothing? Like it just makes no sense um, to have silver lining socks, right? Or just like antibacterial socks. Why would any sock not be antibacterial? Makes no sense to me. Or like undergarments. Um, but then on top of that, using nanotech for sensors. And so now we start leveraging sensors to understand our body better. And I, I do bucket that in the nanotech category. So like what Ben's building with Synex to build the ring to detect your glucose levels non-invasively using different um, areas of nanotechnology and, and you know, magnets and, and different readings to understand your blood metabolite levels and all these other pieces. Why can't we do that with like everything in our body? It's like, what's my current iron levels, vitamin D levels, C, zinc, magnesium. Like I wanna measure everything about me so I can optimize my performance, right? Health-wise. Um, so like, I think understanding the human body, I would just say is a category and maybe that is connectomics plus like general monitoring, nanotechnology to do that and other things um, as well as synthetic biology. So I guess like the core trend, if we're really tying it all together is like human enhancement. Like, I think that is probably uh, one of the most exciting underrated areas for me right now. Yeah, that's awesome. I think we definitely could leverage a lot of underrated exponential technologies for so many different applications. And for some reason, they're just not there yet. And that might just be there's not enough people working in those fields, like you mentioned. Uh, so 
yeah, I think that that wraps up the podcast. But before we do go, we would love to have three action items that you have for our audience, um, you know, so they can go out and uh, spark, spark change. Yeah, my first action item would be write down your own action items from from any podcast you listen to, like not even this one, just any podcast you listen to, like figure out what you got to do. If the voice in an audio file is telling you what to do, well, then you're just, you're not being, you know, independent. Like the whole thing, if you want to practice self-agency is be independent, think for yourself. So write down your own uh, action items. The second one is hold yourself accountable to those action items. Like, when do you want to do them by? Like, what system will you have to be like, okay, what did I learn when I did that thing? Am I reflecting on it, right? So write down those action items, hold yourself accountable. And then the third one is, if you don't write down these action items, why? Like, why didn't you write down action items for yourself? Why aren't you thinking about what did I learn? Like, if you stayed here all the way to the very end, like, it must have been useful in some way, right? So like, what's stopping you from doing that? And it's probably a lack of desire. Like, you just don't know what you want or, or why this will help you grow or whatever the case is. And so I think just reflecting on that, because if I've learned anything, it's that you will control your future. Like the amount of books you read, podcasts you listen to, whatever, that's like the 20%. But the 80% is you and your desires and your initiative and your mindset and all of that. So understand that and realize that if you're not going to put in the effort, none of this stuff really matters. Those are awesome action items. And they're also very unconventional, um, but I love them and they're great. Uh, thank you so much, Navid, for being on our Curiosity podcast. You're welcome.